0: hey everyone welcome back to eastern approaches podcast i know it's been kind of radio silence for the last three or four months or something like that but who's counting in fact ben i don't even know what episode we're on
1: do you, you have I, an idea? i um, think this is episode number 394
0: that sounds i funny. might i
1: might be off by about 360 episodes but it's somewhere in that ballpark I think.
0: you are correct sir i'm gonna mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on that so Ben, let's let's give a before we and we've got a we've got a guest on this episode. so it's gonna be juicy. We've got lots of real travel stuff like recent travel stuff and perspectives on the Balkans to talk about. But before that, let's give everyone a little like, hey, where where have we been? What were we doing the last three months instead of recording this awesome podcast? So I'll start with you, Ben. what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, I'll take primary responsibility for radio silence because as Andrew knows, I have spent most of the last several months in a Bulgarian prison. I was on lockdown with a bunch of very hairy, large slavs, and they not let me have access to internet, no. Um, it's a it's a whole new meaning to the word "the Eastern approaches. I don't know, you make up your own joke there, sorry. It um, would be
0: a tough position to be in, but I won't go
1: in any more in with that joke. Exactly, we'll, we'll stop right there. Um, No. So, I mean, I had a fantastic six weeks back in the US and a Um, great to get to see friends and family there and missing the landscapes and incredible food that you can get in on the West coast of the USA that is much harder to come by here in Central Europe. So that was fantastic. And yeah, you know, Prague, I'm back here in Prague now and things are pretty good it's kind of feels like 90 95 percent of normal and cultural life is happening and festivals are happening and so I've just been enjoying Prague as you haven't been able to enjoy Prague in more than a year because of lockdown so and the thing which I've said in other venues but I'll just say it again man it's so great to be in Prague when there's not so many tourists so anybody who's listening if you haven't already made travel plans and you're itching to come to Europe, boy, this is a fantastic time to come. As we've said before, because I'm really seeing it every day here, where places that can normally be pretty busy, like it's you and the locals. So that's awesome to get to enjoy my city like that these days.
0: Sweet, yeah, that sounds good. Well, I was, uh, I did not go back to the states this summer, but I did. I took a quick trip to Budapest just to see a friend of mine and chill out and basically do 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 nothing but eat and drink um which I've kind of decided Budapest is my favorite city to eat in uh Hmm. with with, because I do like Hungarian food but they have so much other stuff there there's so many places to go drinking um and eating and I spent three days in Budapest and I actually didn't order any Hungarian food which Hmm. could be blasphemy but I I've been there so many times it's like hey i know I'll, I'll go back and get some and then which will be a separate podcast episode because we need content who were we fooling i spent two weeks in turkey most of it in southeast turkey which was really cool except not because it was about 94 to about 105 uh, for my two weeks there. But it was a dry heat, as they like to say. And so not so terrible and some breezes and stuff like that. So honestly, the weather looked looked like crap every time you looked at your phone to get the forecast, but it was not nearly as bad in person as I would have thought.
1: And there's some good food in Southeast Turkey too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there, there, there,
0: there is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just I'll wrap this up quickly in a nutshell I'm not sure I can eat hummus again (laughs) until I'm back there and I don't even know if I'm going to eat hummus at a normal place in Istanbul I mean Mm -hmm. it's like once you go once you go hatai hummus you don't go back
1: oh man you're making me jealous
0: it was it was it was that good I definitely I didn't but I could have been a vegetarian for those two weeks in Turkey and I and other than other than other than the kebabs i think i would have been doing okay uh with with everything else oh
1: man sounds amazing
0: so but hey we'll uh, i definitely want to catch up people up with all that awesome stuff in southeast turkey that i saw for the first time but uh, not only are we back with the podcast we have a special guest and not only a special guest this guy I think he's smart because he's a professor.
1: And he's Uh, the most special possible guest. Let's just give you, let's go to superlatives here.
0: Yes, he's the most specialist guest. Uh, I think he's like, if this was like Casey Kasem and this was like, you know, Billboard's top 40, like... Jaime Aguila would be number one with a bullet for, I don't know, like the 15th consecutive week. This would be like Olivia Newton-John and physical in like 80 or the police World. with Every breath you take summer of 83. It's just like, wow. is, is anyone going to knock them off the perch? So welcome Eastern approaches, Jaime. Welcome
2: aboard.
1: Welcome aboard. I'm, a round of applause if, I, if, if this comes thank across you, on you. audio, I don't know.
2: I appreciate the police reference of one of my favorite bands, Ghost of the Machine, great album, wonderful. Before I forget, and I know we're going to talk about Albania, obviously. um, I found, a as West Coasters, Ben, I think you're from the West Coast Mm -hmm. as well. I'm from Fresno, California, born and raised. I found a Mexican restaurant in Tirana that has homemade corn tortillas. What? Not lying. Mind blown. It, It wasn't the greatest Mexican restaurant but it was a pretty good Mexican restaurant and the corn tortillas weren't even, they weren't
1: round. So, which is authenticity. So anyway, huh. we'll come back to that. <laughs> that's, wow. I mean, Mexican, Mexican food in Europe, if, if you hit pretty good, that's about as good as you're gonna do. So uh, that's, it sounds like you found a, a weird gem in the rough there.
0: Yeah, and I, w- I would say anyone who's making their own homemade corn tortillas, if nothing else, like you can enjoy eating those, e- even if there's, even if what you're putting on them isn't that great. Holy smokes! So we've we've got you on for a couple of reasons. One, uh, and we're you know exaggerating a bit, but let's face it, you've been following us for a while uh, on on our podcast and giving comments and feedback and all that stuff, and we love that. And more people should do that. But then again, we should spend more time on social media, and we don't. So mm. bad on us. But um, uh, you. I can't exactly remember when it was, but I knew at some point you were saying something like, oh, I'm interested in Albania or Macedonia or something like that. Uh, I think this is probably when I was in those countries in February. So why don't you, why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about kind of like this trip you were planning to take that you took.
1: So uh,
2: I'm, uh, I'm a history professor in Midland, Texas at Midland College, and I teach European history, but I have degrees in, actually, my first graduate degree is in ancient European history, and hmm. uh, I have a degree in Mexican, my doctorates in Mexican history, and I've been, te- I'm old, I've been teaching since 1999, but as a kid, the first book I remember reading as a child, and my mom was a voracious reader, still is, was Edith Hamilton's book on Greek mythology, so mm-hmm. I've always, I've always had this, in fact, I would have been, uh, I would have pursued a PhD in some type of ancient history, except for the languages, I mean, two Greeks, a German, a French, and I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, I speak Spanish already, I'll just go with that, besides the seven years of Latin we had to take for that. But anyway, um, I just, I've had a, growing up, I've had a great love for for Europe, and these fantasies and all the reading of all the books, uh, different popular culture, and in 2016, I went to Europe for the first time. My wife's like, you should just go, and since then, I've been to Europe for the summer, five of the last six years and obviously no one could go anywhere last year and so this past march or february i told my wife i said i'm gonna go to whatever european country will let me in but i do have a great uh, 2019 uh 2018 i spent uh, five weeks in the balkans i was in uh, bulgaria i was in croatia i was in bosnia and herzegovina i was in uh, serbia and um and so I do have this t- tremendous love for, for this area in particular. And I, I think that there's a lot of similarities between different peoples in the Balkans and, and people along the Mexican US border, and not just mm-hmm. Mexicans, indigenous people. And so I knew I was gonna go to the Balkans when I started thinking about, okay, this no matter what happens, I'm going to Europe and I have I a have, I have good feeling about somewhere. Initially, Croatia was the first country that really jumped out um, and there was a nonstop from New York City to split. But anyway, um, and I had this, I've had, we have a lot of international students here because of our athletic department and we had an Albanian student who uh, who just talked all these great things. And then uh, Andrew, I listened to you talking I, I in, with Sarah Murdoch and one of your trips in, in April and I posed some questions and then you started responding. What a nice guy you are. And then I realized both of you are nice guys. And, you, and you well, love I don't what you're like, hold, yeah. hold on. <laughs> there can only
1: that's, be that's two. That's all the nice bro guys. hug you're going to get. <laughs> okay.
2: No, but seriously, I mean, you just responded. I mean, not only did you respond in the commentary, you actually sent me an email. I was like, well, that was really awesome, really nice of you. And obviously, since then, we're now we ended up here. And. Yeah,
0: now you're on a podcast, so. but so now I'm on a you made it, buddy. I mean, yeah all downhill from here, but. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know mean, you've, you've really hit the big time now, you're being on this podcast. Like, dude, after this, it's all it's all a letdown. Well, Nobody, I was also on Albanian TV over the summer, which we'll get what? to. Okay, man, that sounds like there's a lot. I just want to say that I admire. I mean, I'm glad we have, you know, we can pull out, you and I can pull out the snobby doctor cards here, and I'm glad to have another intellectual on the podcast. Yes. But also I love that of all like the places you could go in Europe, having started to travel to Europe, you know, in the last couple of years, like you're going to these bits that Andrew and I love. So so that's whatever it is that's the magnet that has sort of drawn you there. I'm 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 glad that you feel that magnet pull, I guess, that we do too. So awesome. Well, you know, it's uh
2: I'm the kind of person like I love comic books, and like when I was a kid, let's say I find uh, Captain America number eighty-two or Fantastic mm. Four or something, I wouldn't read another comic book till I collected all the back issues, so that I could start mm. at the beginning and work work my way forward. And in a lot of ways, that's as academics or somebody who's from that area, or you both of you obviously live in the area, is that's really where European history starts in a lot of ways. Mm. It's in this area, Turkey. Um, this uh, this totally. southeastern Europe and obviously the Eurasia connection, mm-hmm. not Western Europe, right? Which, yeah, yeah.
1: Totally.
2: And so I think that's one of the reasons. But then all the different peoples and all the different identities, the food is just so attractive. And I see, I do see a lot of similarities between my heritage and and this mm. area. Hmm. So okay, what's
0: what, what's what's the Mexican <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: A chimichanga, <laughs> chimichanga, see. <laughs> si. I was gonna say the tlayuda, but that's not a very good example. Um, I
0: think I think we we'll, I think we're gonna have to do I'm gonna have to do a written post at some point point with you, I mean, and we'll just be like, okay, like if you like this in the Balkans, this is what you get in Mexico, vice versa. A that
1: would a flauta, well, okay, yeah, that would
0: be kind of fun to do. I like
1: it for sure. Um, but okay, so can you like let's let's um be somewhat chronological here. And so you're thinking like, when did you start planning this trip? And how, what was just like the logistical stuff of getting over there and and did it all kind of go? I mean, everything from your negative Corona tests or whatever you had to get and just then like entry into where you flew into, how did that go?
2: So I start planning for my trips the February before the summer. I mean, I have a kind of an mm-hmm. idea where I wanna go. So February of 2021, I start thinking about it. Which usually that helps a lot, but as you know, there was just things too many things changing Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. But I focused on, I knew Albania and I knew North Macedonia, Turkey, and at that point, Croatia were the countries that were letting in Americans. And so those were the countries I was focusing on and come probably late March, which maybe I shouldn't have done, but I went ahead, I bought a round trip ticket from Midland, Texas to To Istanbul, and it went. And that wow. particular ticket went through uh, Heathrow, which I I don't like flying through Heathrow, but I would normally try to avoid it, which I ended up having to. But that was the American Airlines uh, mm-hmm. connection at that time. Ultimately, that flight was canceled, mm-hmm. and so I had to rebook through through Madrid. Actually, ultimately, in uh, yeah. actually early June, my flight was canceled, and I was due to leave June twenty first. And so I had to scramble. And at that point, as you all know, it's, I was like, okay, Hamburg, Madrid, Barcelona, London, uh, Moscow. And my, actually, my first flight ever to Europe, I ended up 24 hours in the Moscow airport. Wow. Uh, and so, so from that point, I knew, I knew, I knew I could count on Albania and North Macedonia. And I actually had a student from North Macedonia at least as far as what was going on with COVID and what their response was. And actually a lot of information um, from both of you in talking about uh, uh, Andrew's trip in Albania. It helped quite a bit in planning for that. And so, and then Croatia, once, Greece, once I knew Greece was gonna open up, I decided, I'd been to Croatia before I'd been, but not to split. I decided to go to Northern Greece since, huh. um, when is, like you said earlier, when are there not going to be anyone, when is no one going to be in Greece, and mm-hmm. in particular northern Greece, so I replaced mm-hmm. Split with uh, Thessaloniki, uh, ultimately, mm. Cool. Um, but I ended up still going to Istanbul, because I wanted to go down to su- uh, southwestern Turkey, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Gallipoli, Chanakoli, mm-hmm. Ephesus, mm-hmm. and so I went there, that was the trip, and then from uh, Istanbul, I flew into Tirana, and, okay. uh, and I spent a week in Tirana, and then I took a very COVID a, COVID, a scary COVID bus ride from Tirana to uh, Akrad. It was a little bitty bus. There were 10 of us. There were 11, there were 12 people on the bus. It was a it, 10 bus seat. There were 12 of us on the bus. And the two ladies in front of me were coughing the whole trip. And so, which was, that was a that was little knuckle dra- knuckle grabbing there. And then from uh, Akrad, ended up in Skopje. And then, uh, and that's after spending a week in Albania. And then Skopje, Thessaloniki, Athens. And then actually flew to Spain because my son's uh, is doing a year abroad in Spain. Okay. But as far as the Balkans, it was really uh, Albania, Ohrid, northern Greece.
1: Okay. Awesome. And I mean, I have I've been on that exact bus from Tehran to to Okred, and I didn't have the COVID thing. But I wonder, I wonder. This is what I had. I wonder if you had this in addition to the COVID thing. Did you have people smoking on the bus as the bus is driving? Yeah. Oh yeah. There the, you go. It, mm.
2: The the eleventh person on the ten seat bus. Mm-hmm. Now we can count eleven people with the bus driver, and then there were thirteen total. But mm. the eleventh person who we picked up later on, on the bus on on the on the way to Oxford was just smoking. And mm. uh, he I I saw him. He gave a look to the bus driver, kind of that, and there's like the bus driver was like yeah, and then he just. And actually I don't mind smoke. I used to smoke years and years ago for a little bit, but and
1: I I it didn't surprise me having been yeah. to the area before. No, yeah, it's that's like welcome to the Balkans. Okay. So yeah, you, you you had the complete experience in that bus ride alone, practically. Well, yeah, that's I would right.
0: Think maybe, maybe did you did you have someone with chicken, live chickens, either yeah. like with them or like on a cage on top of the bus? Yeah. I think that would know, add was-
2: extra. I was traveling with my niece. I brought her along with me and I mentioned, I said at some point there might there weren't any chickens, but I, I told her there might be chickens. If there's a goat, we'll get a different bus. But if the chickens, we'll go with the chickens. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, now I'm curious here. Uh, your, your niece came with, like, was she like, hey, I heard you've been to the Balkans before and it looks cool. I wanna go. Or she's like, I just want to go somewhere and I want to go with you because you know what's going on. Or you're like, hey, let me sell you on this awesome trip to like three or four countries that you know very little about, I'm assuming. Or how, how, how did that whole thing work?
2: So she's, 20, she's 24, she's a senior in college. And three years ago, I said, hey, get your passport. Next time I go to Europe, you can come with me wherever I go. And so... Um, and I bought her a couple of travel books. I said, go ahead and read these Western Balkans, the, the uh, uh, Lonely Planet, Western Balkans. And then I bought her the Rick Steves Turkish Turkey one. And I said, take a look at these and focus on Croatia because we can go to Croatia. She's never she'd only flown once in her life. And that was to South Carolina. She would never left the country. She's 24, very isolated uh, uh, growing up. And so I said, we're going to go to Turkey and then we're going to go to Albania, North Macedonia, and then wherever else i don't know where else we're going and it was going to istanbul before going to albania north macedonia and even northern greece was probably a good thing because it was just boom Mm. right we are in a totally different country a totally different way of life and we're going to eat well i said i said you're going to eat everything and i warned her i said if you're going to be picky about eating you're going to get yelled at by your uncle Mm-hmm. your 53 year old uncle's gonna yell at you not to embarrass me and you're gonna love she loved the food I mean she absolutely loved it and we ate you know we ate just local whatever we found on the street there were a couple places we went to that I had that I had found in my research but it was um it, it was uh yeah Albania oh my gosh and uh and Skopje and, and Akra that was a piece of cake for her a- huh. after Istanbul and then western Turkey
0: yeah, well I I I I'm assuming she doesn't live or come from a big city so Istanbul is whatever it's whatever it is plus an extra 4 million in like Syrian refugees and other like random yeah. people hanging out there so
2: <laughs> Exactly, exactly.
0: Wow, that 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 is cool. Well, that is I always love it when 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 some, when I hear someone has like their first trip and it's not like Rome, Paris, London. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I've had, I've had. I'm guessing I've had a half a dozen people. Usually it's husbands that don't travel much, and but their wives have, and they come with. I've had, I've had people like half a dozen people where either Bosnia or Slovenia or Croatia is like huh. the first country they ever step foot in outside of the U.S. or maybe like Canada. Uh, so that's 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 really cool that that she was like open for it. And then I think you're right. I think it's. Uh, Hey, if you can make it through the kind of like you've just flown for whatever 12 hours and you've never done that and here's this Danbol, if you can make it through that, then, you know, whatever all these right. other places will be easy.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're in this megalopolis which is, you know, connected to western culture but it's its own thing and you're jet lagging and you can hack that, then then yeah, like North Macedonia is a piece of cake from there. Um, so like I don't know I mean I'm sure you you, so, you saw so much and had so many experiences but can I just ask like the the big overview like what stands out for you right now as some of the most awesome things you saw or experienced of, of any of the countries you were you were in like a, you know the top 3 or something
2: Well I'll tell you I'm the type of person who wants who wants to do the very touristy things cuz mm-hmm. I've only started traveling I remember Andrew in your first, second podcast you talked about how you started traveling late mm-hmm. I've been up and down to Mexico for research family things I have extended family in Argentina so i would flown up up and down there quite a bit but when I when my wife finally said you know you need to go to Europe and and 2016 you know I'm 40 I'm 48 years old my first real transatlantic well, my first transatlantic flight so, um, I like touristy things, and I take all the pictures. And but then, being an academic and being somebody who does a lot of research, I, obviously I'm, I'm here in great part because that you know uh-huh. I want to see the unique things. And I'm a, and I pream- I say that that preamble because I feel a little bad as an American how impressed I was by how modern Albania was. Interesting.
0: I I went because I was there the first time in February and whatever I hear things from other travelers or Slovenes or Croats or whoever you know like oh Albania that's its own special like er Mm. different area and I was like oh this is all like organized roads are not like whatever Mm. and people are super friendly and I was like this is not the Albania that I had in my head and I'm guessing you know, you, you were the same thing that you, you were kind of wondering, well, is this going to be like third world or it wasn't?
2: No, it it wasn't at all. You know, in the level of English, I think was similar to the level of English. When I went to uh, Hungary for the first time, I was in Budapest. I remember a couple of the younger guys, they kept apologizing to me because their language was so hard and I felt bad. I was like, your language is so hard. I'm in your country. Right. And, (laughs) and, and their, yeah, their English was great. And, uh, Obviously, the level of English in Tirana and Barat, and 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 certainly Saranda uh, and Duras was just, it was, it was beyond belief, to be honest. Hmm. And I feel a little, again, I feel bad thinking that way. The same thing, Czech Republic, the level of English, especially in Prague, there's a higher level of English probably in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the other regions. But it was, I mean, it was, that was stands out quite a bit. I mean, that's just how easy it was to maneuver there. I mean, I hired a guide, which I probably couldn't have afforded to do under normal circumstances, but I would totally do it again. And it was a Balkan travel or Balkan trip, which you had uh, gone yeah. with, Andrew, and they were great. And, um, but I would, I think I would certainly consider it again, just because in all the places I visited, it was so good. So, but, um, so Tirana was a second major city after Istanbul. And so my niece, who'd only been, traveling for four days one day she goes hey I'm gonna take off on my own in Tirana I was like great huh. and I felt comfortable with it that's the second day we were there I felt comfortable I said yeah go ahead you know we she bought her SIM card she had her phone had her had, bought the uh-huh. SIM card for five bucks for you know unlimited right. amount of data almost yeah. my plan I have a, a international plan that's really good so I don't have to worry about it and so she took off and in Tirana is a great walking city. It's easy to maneuver. Uh, you really don't even need to use to use public transportation. Um, there was maybe the the bunker the bunker art would be the farthest one. You could take a bus mm. as far as the um, the the touristy things to go see. So, but then Saranda was like a little down in the south. Mm-hmm. Was you know like a little typical uh, uh, tourist resort area, and um, which was which I enjoyed, but it was probably somewhere I wouldn't go back to because it was just thirsty and you know and, and the be and i'm not a beach guy so yeah but um but i'll tell you what the most beautiful ancient greek site and i've seen a lot of them and but the, and i just saw ephesus a few days before mm-hmm. was barat oh my gosh huh. it was incredible now i think andrew you've been there enough you've been there ben yeah yeah it's just just it was so complex it was covered up in trees and everything and there's the fishing there going on and the water i thought that was beautiful and lake awkward was gorgeous as well those are the big two that stand out for me Mm -hmm. Um, i could i'm a city guy i like cities i'm not a nature guy i I lived in phoenix for you know i think a total of 14 years i've never been in the grand canyon and i keep getting yelled at for that (laughs) but i like i like cities and so but awkward lake awkward I could spend a week there. It was just so awesome. And there's some touristy things. do. I mean, there's some uh, ancient Greek sites. The
1: mm-hmm.
2: castle that Philip of Macedon built, which was just for me, was as important as seeing Troy. Once I found out, that Philip of Macedon was actually there at this castle on top of the hill, which more than likely, Alexander the Great, at some point, was probably there at that castle. And those kinds of things for me are really, they just, they just hit home for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so going from seen being Troy but then being at this castle was just uh was very 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 cool for me did did you
0: in Albania did you just get around on public transport or did you have like a some transfers or did you just like hey I'm taking the bus from Tirana down to Saranda and then go to Girocaster and all that or you have like a your own driver
2: I hired a driver and I had them plan Mm. the whole trip in Albania I I think and it was wonderful um, and I usually, and I don't do that. This was the first trip of my five trips to Europe where I hired someone to drive me somewhere. And part of the reason was everybody says Albanian drivers are crazy, right? I think I think what I heard was batshit crazy a few times. Um, I, I, might have, I, really, I might have said that I, I like using batshit crazy, but actually I don't
0: think I had a crazy enough experience that I was the one who actually said that, but I could be wrong.
2: You know, and... I hate drive. I live in Texas. I and I hate driving. But I don't think they're crazy. The, and people when I'd say other people who'd been there would describe them as angry and as I said, you know, Albanian drivers aren't angry drivers. They American drivers are angry drivers. Albanian drivers might be a little pa- impatient, but if you know they're going to be impatient, they're going to go. So just expect that if there's a little gap, they're going to go. And so I, I would I wouldn't even be comfortable driving through through the Swiss Alps or in Austria somewhere, and I you know so um, normally I would take public transportation, but like I said, I've never been to Albania and uh, it was I wasn't didn't know enough about it or wasn't even familiar enough with it, and it was affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I were to go back, I would probably just rely on public transportation to go from site to site, Tirana all the way down to Saranda.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you give us an idea? Like, did you pay, just for anybody else who's listening and might be thinking about it? Like, did you pay your driver by the day, and what did it cost? I mean, can you give us some ballpark?
2: I paid for a driver for four days. Plus, he was our tourist guy. He was our guy okay. in all the different sites. It was for two of us. It's this this included hotels. Mm. It was probably around six hundred dollars for four days, hotels, the driving and uh wow. and he was the driver was at our beck and call 24 7. Mm-hmm. um yeah and, and so and there were a couple of the places that we visited i forget there were smaller tourist sites where we didn't have to pay because because that we bought this uh this this trip
1: mm-hmm. so
2: it's probably yeah it's about about 600 that included the tip
1: yeah wow so, i know that and, sounds uh, really good and i
2: think it would be a lot more it would have been a lot more in 2019 or before that
1: yeah, right. Yeah, he's and, I'm, uh, dude, so. the driver was happy to have the work, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And did you see many other uh, tourists, whether from the region or certainly, I mean, from Western Europe or North America in places like Ohrid or Berat or, or um, anywhere you went? Like, what was the kind of other level of tourists?
2: There were very few Americans in, mm. uh, in Turkey and Albania and Macedonia. There were some Central Europeans Mm-hmm. Um, in Saranda, they were mostly Albanians. I don't, the, mm-hmm. There weren't any Greeks you know that's down there in by Corfu. Uh, yeah. uh, and so they weren't very. There weren't any Greeks. They were mostly in Saranda, we arrived on a, on a Saturday and it was packed. I mean the, it was bumper mm-hmm. to bumper. You know you couldn't see the sand on the beaches. they were all towels and umbrellas. On Sunday it all cleared out. But they were they were mostly lo- overwhelmingly local.
1: yeah in Albania.
2: yeah in yeah, Macedonia, was under it was depopulated they were they were it was just they were just locals going to work every day there were very yeah. few tourists there were in fact in duras there was the uh the uh, folklore museum in duras and there were two people in the museum and they wouldn't let me in because i didn't bring a mask so the one day i didn't bring a mask wow and and you know i was in toronto so i had a 30 minute drive from toronto to duras or mm-hmm, whatever it is mm-hmm. and i forgot my mask and there was only, we got there, well, there's only about 90 minutes left. It was going to be open. And, and, our, and I actually had a guide with me and who was showing us the area. And he was like, you're not going to let them in. It's like, no. How many people are in there? Two. That was the, and I have total respect for that, right? I'm in mm. Midland, Texas right mm. now, and it's a mess. And I, I was not bothered by that. I said, it's my fault for not having a mask. My guy was ready to jump them. I mean, he was just ready to, you know, go, go in there. And I said, no, no, don't worry about it. And let's, I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty of other things to see. Let's just keep walking around. So um, that yeah, was like, yeah. yeah, that was that with the, the COVID and then the people. But everything, I don't know if it was is that is as empty as Prague is right now, but there was there was no waiting and for anything. Mm.
1: I bet it was emptier. I mean, just because Prague, like there's, I'm seeing some tourists here, but. But it's nowhere near the normal numbers. But I would imagine that if everything is still down 70% from 2019, yeah. then that still means in a place like Albania, you're you're like really low numbers, I'm guessing. But oh
2: yeah. And then there were like we were driving around Lake Achrid, a couple of, of the, the small, you can't you can't even call them fishing villages. They were like the four, the four houses, and then somebody has a restaurant there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We went to two different ones there while we were there, and uh, we were the only people both times we had lunch. You know, yeah. you know two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon, driving there, and there was just no, no locals or, or, or there weren't any, there wasn't anyone. And uh, and in Tirana, I don't, you know, it wasn't there were there were many 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 people at all. The the biggest, the only time the restaurant was full was during the Euro Cup matches, and then you, really everybody sad. was jostling for a place in front of the big uh-huh. TV. And
1: <laughs> that that makes it. sense. Yeah. Yeah
2: did it did it get
0: did it get more crowded when you went to Thessaloniki i mean i mean other than obviously Thessaloniki is a bigger a big city and there's probably a lot of people there but did you find many did you seem like many tourists in Thessaloniki and northern there
2: were you know there were there were more tourists i saw a few more Americans there were some um but they were still central Europeans for the most part and Hmm. uh and and i'm trying to think nothing was crowded even for all the different uh, tourist sites, you know, the big, uh, I think the name of the big uh, tower, it's not really a big tower in Thessaloniki. It was a, a five-minute wait, and hmm. and there was just, yeah, there was no waiting there. So Thess- Thessaloniki was, there were more people, but certainly, I, I, would, I would guess probably it was 80% empty. Wow. Compared to what I'm sure they would have normally.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was just absolutely no waiting for anything.
0: In in Thessaloniki, and sorry, in northern Greece. Did you see? Did you go anywhere else, or were you only in Thessaloniki? Like no day trips or no
2: places anywhere else in that in that region? Or no, we. I I just stayed in Thessaloniki. Um, my my niece actually took a, she took a day trip into to go hiking, hmm. and there there were only three of them on the trip, and she she did it through Airbnb, one of the Airbnb uh, tourist sites, mm-hmm. um, and there were only there was it was three girls and the, and the guide. And, and that was it. And there were, and I actually tried to actually, now that you brought that up, I tried to arrange uh, two or three day trips through Airbnb. Airbnb was the only place I could find people to respond to me. Hmm. And, uh, and I, but I did receive some emails. Sorry, we're closed because of COVID. So Interesting. Um, some automatic email responses. And it was, uh, it, it was, it just wasn't worth it to go. Some of them were pretty expensive because there'd only been one or two people going and there just weren't, the, the day trips weren't there. The, the site I really wanted to go were the Royal Tombs, the Macedonian Royal mm. Tombs, which are in Northern Greece. Um, but I couldn't work out. They were only like Monday, Wednesday, Friday dates and I only had a Tuesday availability. Yeah, yeah. So my schedule conflicted with the few options at the time.
1: That's annoying.
0: When I was in Cappadocia, there's, I mean, the, every place you stay out there, you know, is what all these different day trips. You know, there's like four or five kind of like different routes, and there's all these different agencies that have them. But the the first day I was there, I 45 minutes before it was going to start, I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm all like ready to go. Let's put. I don't have anything else to do. Put me on it, and it was like this mini mini bus of probably could hold 20 people, and it's me and a Ukrainian girl who lives in Copenhagen. And it was the two of us. And in the van was like our guide, the driver, Mm -hmm. and some woman who was like managing, I don't know what exactly. So there's more like people Mm -hmm. from the agency than us. And it was just kind of like they would run anything with whatever amount of people. Like I think if it, it was just me, it's like they're every day they're running this and, you know hoping obviously that the next time they'll get more people out. But I was like pleasantly surprised because I, I, I kind of figured Airbnb experiences and other kind of day tripper uh, companies, you know, it's gonna be hard to meet their minimums probably. Uh, and that would could just totally screw up any kind of day trip aspirations you have.
2: Oh, for hmm. sure. And even the, the bu- I, hired a, I hired a driver, to take us from uh, um, Skopje to Thessaloniki it was a brand new Mercedes bus it would hold 25 people and the equivalent equivalent amount of luggage. It was just my niece and me and the driver. I it was I mean it was comfortable obviously it's brand new. I felt so guilty. I mean it was just I felt so bad being in this van and it didn't cost very much I think that the drive for him to drive us and they took care of all of the uh, the visa stuff. I filled out the online visit Greece right yeah. Um, covid or tourist app but he took care of all the paperwork the driver and that was i think it was 140 dollars or something for them to drive us hotel to hotel to, to hostel mm. Mm. and and uh in this i mean, i still feel guilty about it i mean i know that you know it's not my fault they needed the work and i you know i'm not trying to exploit anybody but and they and they were everybody was so nice and just happy that we were there happy that you know always wanted to engage in conversation and uh our driver was just a you know he used to drive for the u.s uh the u.s embassy at some point i mean he was on the older side he had some great cold war stories about different different driving that that took place you know back in the day
0: i i think i i think i met him on my visit when i was there end of january early february because our our um, guide in Macedonia, he's he's like the driver guy in Skopje or whatever. So yeah, because he had those same kind of stories and, and what have you. <laughs> well, hey, at least it wasn't a boring drive. I mean, even if it's only the three of you, you got some right. good, good good stuff to talk about. Hey, I wanted, you mentioned it really briefly, and I thought it'd be a good idea to, to bring up because... Um, a lot of people probably don't know about this. So for Greece, you have to fill in the like visit Greece Mm -hmm. thing with, I think maybe it's 72 hours before you go, or I'm not exactly sure, but Turkey, and I'm sure you had to do the same thing I did. They have this health pass, which I'll admit I didn't either. I knew about it and I forgot, but when I was at the Zagreb airport in the morning, two hours before my flight, the woman who checked me in and took my luggage said, Oh, do you have the health code or health Mm -hmm. pass? And I was like, uh, excuse me, what? Um, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'll check all this stuff in. But you go into the site and blah 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 blah." And I did, and I got my like my PDF kind of mm-hmm. digital health pass thing. And actually, everywhere I went, whether it was a whether it was an in- intercountry flight or a hotel or other things, people always checked my health mm-hmm. pass thing that, that I took. And I'm not sure if you did one of those. It's like something on top of obviously the visa you get for going
2: to right. Germany. So with Istanbul, with Turkey, you have to buy, pay the visa, thirty-five dollars or something, and it's good for six months or however long. And then, yeah, there was the health pass. And I'm a, I'm a big planner, academic, have all the paperwork. Mm. I have two copies printed out. I have the PDF on my phone. I have a screenshot and everything. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, they, they would always ask. It was very easy. You showed it to them. They look at it. They scan it or whatever, and then it was really smooth. So, and, uh, and there were some. There were some people, when we were flying from, yeah, Istanbul to, uh, to Tirana. there were some, actually they were Venezuelan, because the whole problem's going on in Venezuela. There Mm -hmm. were these Venezuelans stuck in the airport in, in Turkey. They were trying to get to Albania for whatever reason. And, Mm -hmm. and I was talking to them in Spanish and they said, yeah, we're, we're refugees and we're trying to get to Albania. Who's going to take us? And, uh, Mm -hmm. but we don't have the paperwork. To get out of Turkey, it, it was uh, it was a really interesting conversation because they 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 just, they just asked me. He goes, "Do you speak Spanish?" And I said yes. And then we had this conversation. And, uh, huh. so that wow! Was, but back to the health pass. Yeah, it was you know easy. Yeah, and what's
0: makes, yeah? It seemed like a sorry Ben. It seemed like a great yeah. thing that people actually paid attention to. I'm like, okay, more people pay attention to it there than they do where I live. That's for sure.
1: Mm. For and me, what is the health pass actually? track like does it have your vaccination status does have a negative test you've taken or what's what information is in there
0: you know and, and i wonder that too after i had it because you know it was one of those things was like oh shit i better get it and i'm just like sitting at the airport in zagreb do, doing this and i don't remember everything i gave them i have the whatever i have the digital whatever covid passport mm-hmm. thing from slovenia and i'm not sure I, I can't remember if i uploaded that or not it, 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 it but I think the idea was, because and I kind of don't think it had that, I kind of don't think huh. I uploaded my vaccination thing, but what it did was it would track me. So someone explained it one of the places, I can't remember where in Turkey, but it was like, hey, oh yeah, it was the flight we took, I took a flight from Mardin to, back to Istanbul. And I think there were 14 babies on that. So lots of kids, plus kids too. So they, and my, my colleague said, this is why you have the health pass because if anyone from that flight is test positive then they know who's on that flight oh mr valone from mm-hmm. here's his contact number here, what blah 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 here's where he is and they would contact me so i'm not sure because it because it i don't i mean you, you know might remember better than i i don't think it's like their version of the COVID passport but it's a way to like with with your personal information to to track you. So if there's some outbreak or something like that, then you could be like if a hotel you stayed
2: at had an issue, then you would know, I think. Right. I, I think you're right. It was contact tracing. They asked in Eastmere, when I flew from Eastmere back to uh, Istanbul, in Eastmere, they asked me for if I had proof of vaccination. I obviously had my American vaccination card, but she looked, I don't even know if she looked at it. I handed it to her and she just handed it right back. And then in Actually, when I crossed over in from Tirana into uh, into North Macedonia, they asked for a vaccination card, um, and but we gave it to our driver. There were again there were 10, 12 of us. Twelve of us. He took everybody's visa, and then they asked different nationalities different questions, and then they asked me to come back with my with my passport. I mean, not visa, but passport, and said you're an American, you yeah, have passport, and then he asked for a vaccine card. And I gave it to him. But again, I don't even know if he looked at it. He put it back in my passport, handed it back to me, did the same thing with my niece. So mm-hmm. it was really, I think it was hit and miss with, with the vaccination card at the time. I don't, it, it wasn't required. It wasn't required to get into Albania or North Macedonia. Um,
0: yeah, that was, that was the case when I went there. Of course, that was when there's, I mean, neither country had vaccines at that point. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure if it, if it, if it changed. But I would kind of say that seems to be most of the places I've been to. except Turkey seemed to be more interested, and at least the, some places would actually scan that, whatever, hmm. QR code that's on right. the health pass in Turkey. Not everyone, but some would. So rather than just be like, oh, he's got something on his phone, that's good. Some people would look at it a little bit more. So it right. seemed like there was more emphasis in Turkey than anywhere else I've been so far.
2: Even more so than Greece, I would think, actually. Interesting. At the time. Hmm.
0: And did you for getting into Greece? Um, how, what was it? Was it uh, either you're vaccinated or you show or you have a test? Was, yeah,
2: either. Uh, no, they wanted a test. Oh, wait. They wanted a oh, test. Yeah. So we uh, in Skopje, we had a test taken 48 hours before. We could have done 72, but we waited 48 hours before. But again, we gave all our paperwork to the driver, mm. and we pulled up next to the booth at the border between North Macedonia and, and Greece. And, and the, two, the two visa, the Greek visa uh, officials, they're yelling at each other. The guy's like this, yelling at the guy. Just, and he just stamps everything, and he hands it back. He, and he looks over to the driver, thank you very much. I, you know, in Greek, and he takes off. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was getting into Greece was very, as far as using the tourist website and, and visit Greece, very easy to use. The documentation very clear. And we had all the documentation, and we the driver the driver called us two days before and said, "Look, this is what I want. If you give me these copies, just hand them to me or email them to me. I'll hmm. print them out, and I'll take care of everything." So that's, and that's actually why I hired the uh, getting into Greece was I wanted somebody who'd done it before, and I wouldn't have to worry about questions because the driver, the driver took care of everything. Now, if I'd have known the two visa officials were going to be fighting, arguing with <laughs> each other, and just Stamp. I mean, it was like a movie, like a comedy. They were yeah. yelling, yelling, yelling. Stamp. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Go on.
1: I'm picturing the two uh, Greek officials like the old sketch from Saturday Night Live. Cheesebugger, cheesebugger, cheesebugger. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Cheese, no, no, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Exactly. Just waiting for Belushi
2: to come over from Albania. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, So I'm I'm interested in like, let's get nerdy for a second for you as a historian, like what floated your boat the most like what what did it make you think about either kind of, you know, intellectually in terms of the the stuff you study or think about, or just like damn awesome to be in Philip of Macedon's castle like so what kind of stood out for you there so whenever i take a trip every summer
2: i take a book at least i take a, a piece of literature with me to read that's somehow relevant to the trip so i for albania i took a, a high albania by edith durham who she hmm. she traveled through albania at the turn of the last century and high albania if you want to understand albanian culture uh, as far as the, the diversity at least for northern northern albania and how the tribal system works and the problems. Hmm. You know, Westerners have a hard time understanding that there's an absence of a national identity here, that hmm. not a large part of the world, they don't have this national identity, they this big story, right? That there's still these regional, um, uh, the, the, the regional identity is the dominant identity, if not the, hmm. the greater family identity. And she does a great job describing uh, describing the Describing what's going on in Albania, and she makes references to what's going to be the first Balkan War, the second Balkan War, and then World War One. I. I mean, in reading it, um, you can see that well, there's going to be something big coming. We know it's World War One now. Hmm. Um, and then I read a I read, read a second book I bought there by Ismail, um guy. I forget his name. It's the 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 general the De- the general of the dead army, which is uh, Ismail Kaderi. I mean, which is an yeah. Albanian writer from yeah. the Cold War, and I mispronounced his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read it, I read that book. And so there is, it's just the the diversity of experiences in a country the size of Delaware
1: mm-hmm.
2: is like northern Greece or southern Albania, for example, has has a lot of in terms of share historically with people from Sicily, obviously from southern mm-hmm. Greece, so there, or from northern Greece, there's a lot of interaction, and you know, Barat is an example of that, and even even though Barat, for the most part, is his ancient Greek site, there were people there long before what was in that part Mm -hmm. of the world. So, I would think I need another two weeks in Albania to really see all of it to the equivalent of maybe 10 days in Paris, Mm -hmm. really see, understand Paris, and, you know, somewhere like the uh, Czech Republic. I -hmm. I would think I would need three weeks. I've been to Prague twice, but I've only been to Prague, but I, I I would love to give, you know, Czech Republic three weeks, but I think Albania needs about two, two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks to really get understand the country really well from as a somebody who's gone to sea is really committed to understanding Mm -hmm. Albanian culture. And I was just it was just the like, go back to the the comparison with Mexico. There are 97 known Mexican languages spoken in the nation of Mexico. Ninety one of them are still spoken. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, dominant language is Spanish. So that's a lot of different people, a mm-hmm. lot of different, you know, a language is a whole different civilization, as you know. Right. And Albania, I'm sure there's not, there might be 197 languages spoken, but the diversity of experience, of points of view, and then the people get along. I think, you know, there's another thing. If you look at, for example, Sarajevo, Bosnia, and Herzegovina,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's got this really bad reputation, what little Americans know. But for the most part, people get along, right? The Orthodox, the Catholics, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know there um with obviously unfortunate you know severe exceptions right throughout <laughs> yeah. the time. but I, it's just there there is it has so much to offer intellectually from an anthropological anthropological standpoint and I still feel dirty for thinking this it's so modern
1: hmm. <laughs> yeah no I mean to your point about like how much time you need to try to understand albania i mean i i think you could definitely make the argument that albania for example is more complex than the czech republic i mean the czech republic is this this western industrialized country that has been western and economically advanced for hundreds of years and of course it had this you know interregnum of communism where it was kind of locked behind the iron curtain with some you know the sort of russian civilization which is different but like the Czechs are like that—not not that much different from the Germans, right? Or or the Austrians, or and then they're not who are not that much different from the French. Like you go to Albania, and it's it wasn't urbanized, it wasn't industrialized. You have as you're talking about like these uh, tribal kind of social forms, and then below that, even these intense familial kind of um, ways of life, and it was just not connected to so many of these broader European trends. Are not deeply connected. But I think like you're right that actually Albania takes more studying than somewhere like the Czech Republic or frankly even Slovenia because it's just it's more different and it's more complex. But that's part of what makes it absolutely fascinating how all these like little pockets survive in that incredibly rugged and beautiful country. And to really understand it, man, you gotta you gotta dig a bit deeper than some other places, which is awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah, you really gotta earn it. And I think it's mm-hmm. important to point out that. The the Catholic church had tremendous influence over or control over Northern Albania. Mm. Um, If you go back to Edith Hamilton's book, I mean, she's traveling from one parish to the other Mm. and and can count on staying, finding a place to stay in 1905 Albania. If you could find a church, you could find a place to stay. But the, the Catholic church was very aggressive about protecting uh, their sphere of influence, especially over over people from Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, and uh-huh. and and the Muslims in southern Albania. But I think you've mentioned this in previous podcasts. How you know the southern Albanians, Islam is a dominant religion, but they're drinking, they're smoking, they're having a mm-hmm. good time, and it's yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that later. Okay. And uh, and I think yeah, northern Albania is probably a little more conservative because of the Catholicism versus southern albania because of the muslim because of islam it's just yeah. much more
1: casual down south super interesting because who especially people who maybe have um i don't know what superficial understandings of, of islam and muslims like that totally flips probably some of the the i don't know what stereotypes and islamophobic kind of things of like oh you associate islam with some super strict sharia kind of stuff uh, but like no. I mean, there's plenty of European Muslims like in Bosnia, like in Albania, mm-hmm. where they are, you know, maybe they live as I don't know what loosely in modern in a modern way and have as much fun as uh, maybe more fun, I was going to say, than, than some of these uptight northern Protestants in Denmark or, Sc- or Sweden or something like that. So, yeah, super interesting that you like saw it. You could just see that with your own mm-hmm. eyes, how these kind of things have have worked out to this point.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I saw, I saw that in southern Turkey. I mean, it's mm. very, very. I mean, there's in southern, southeast Turkey, the only tourists are real, are other Turks for the most mm. part, and maybe, and you know, a few maybe Arab neighbors. But that's just very. You know, it's kind of like a lot of places. The more south you go, it's more casual. People are having mm. fun. People mm. are louder. Um, <laughs> whether whether they're drinking alcohol or some of them not drinking alcohol, they're they're going out. They're doing things. All the places I went were very lively, and there were virtually, you know, just for my ears, not a whole lot of Hmm. non-Turkish tourists there, Hmm. and I mean, one thing I'd say about Albania, my impression was, and I I, I was there for about a week, just like you, and we kind of went to some of the same places, is I notice it different than Bosnia and other Balkan countries, because no one, in my very limited experience, no one seemed to define themselves or other Albanians by whether they're Catholic, Catholic Orthodox, oh, sure. or Muslim. And that's very much not the case everywhere else. So it wasn't like, oh, who who's who in Albania? It it seemed like it's pointless, you know, to, to go to prod and to find out. And it it wasn't like people were like, Oh yeah, but I'm an Albanian, but I'm Muslim, or I'm an Albanian, but I go to this Orthodox church. Mm -hmm. And that was very different than all my other experiences. I mean, my guide in North Macedonian said like, Hey, if you're Macedonian, you know, you're Orthodox, like there, it's like, it just, it goes hand in hand. And, 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 you know, in Bosnia, it's different, but it's very segregated like that. Mm -hmm. And Albania seemed to be just like, whatever i mean and atheists or ag- agnostic folks as well and it was like that's kind of cool i mean that was made it just very different from the rest of the balkan countries i traveled to
2: No, you know what you nailed it you're you're absolutely right because in part because the tribe history of tribalism even when the catholic church in northern albania was so influential the albanians would always like yeah yeah, we'll, we'll go to we'll go to church on sunday we'll be there father and then where they show up or not it's a different story and so i think that the, the that, yeah, it's kind of a very watered down, very broad, hegemonic, this, hege, this hegemonic relationship. The Catholic Church thinks it has control, but the priests, the boots on the ground are like, now you have no idea. You got to, okay. you know, we got to keep, we got to keep begging these guys to show up. But then I also think the, the Hocha dictatorship, right, the, 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 yeah. the communist dictatorship under uh, dictator Hocha, he really did a good job of eliminating religion. Because the, especially in Toronto, the Albanians, the people I spoke with in Toronto, they were, they they thought it was weird that I was, I said, yeah, I grew up Catholic, even though I'm, I'm an atheist now. Um, but they're like, what's that like? You know what, I don't want to know. I don't, you know, there's like, so there really was a very dominant, we don't deal with religion and, and we have some, I have some Albanian friends and now he wants to be Orthodox. That's great. I don't know what that means, but just go on. Religion is such. You're right. It's not a, a a dividing line, and it's not a threat because it is so casual. I, it was it wasn't like John Lennon imagined, but it was kind of close, like that. <laughs> Would you know? Wouldn't it be nice? And uh, and so I think there really is the dictatorship does really offer a very shared experience that we've left that phase in our evolution as an Albanian society, and I also think the large expat population has a has a big impact on that as well. I think the northern Italy, for example, the large Albanian population there kind of contributes to that in a, in a, in a way.
1: Yeah, I bet that's true. The diaspora, the Albanian diaspora, kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah, super interesting. And then, I mean, we're, we've been gabbing for almost an hour, so we don't want to take too much of your time, but I'm curious in what you... What kind of feel you had for like society in north macedonia because it's really interesting to hear your impressions of you know just kind of the the vibe and what you observed and what you kind of understood um about albania but any any interesting thoughts or insights about uh, north macedonia well so i was only in, in lake Akrid
2: and, and and skopje and Akrid, there weren't very many people the people mm-hmm. that we dealt with were very nice they spoke They spoke, their English is very good, but it was, you know, this touristy area. Mm. Um, They took the Euro, which is very nice, Mm. um, after leaving Albania. Uh, Skopje, as you've mentioned in previous podcasts, is Las Vegas times a thousand. Those (laughs) monuments. And and the problem for me is there has never been a statue where I I will not take a picture with. (laughs) I know the statue was built of Alexander the Great, was built 10 years ago. And probably by the same company that built the, the casino in Vegas, but I got to have a picture with it. And my niece was fine. And it was, my niece was like, come on, not another picture. I go, no, no, I want another picture. I mean, it was incredible. The diversity of statues, but you know, what I want to say too is the graffiti graffiti really is an art in central in, in Southeastern Europe. Mm. There is some, there are some very talented street artists in in Skopje especially mm-hmm. i mean there was there a tremendous disrespect for everything the government tried to do in Skopje when they built all those statues i mean just stuff written on there and you know i i agree with most of what they were saying as far as wasting the money on this as opposed to mm-hmm. the development of the area in a more uh in a way benefiting the population as opposed to the ruling elite there that unfortunately still controls that area mm-hmm. but um the city but it was, I love statues. And so
1: <laughs> historical or not, it,
2: it was just awesome.
1: No, I appreciate that you can, that you can get into not just like the, the historical cool monuments, but then like the kitschy Caesar's palace style monuments. I, that's, you and I have similar tastes to be able to appreciate both like, wow, that's real art and this is schlock, but I also yeah. like it, you know, that's important.
2: Well, it made Caesar's Palace look like the Great Pyramids. If you've ever been in Las Vegas, you've been to Caesars, it's probably the oldest casino on the Strip. Yeah. And then you have these things that are, you know, they're babies in terms of how long they've been around. Mm-hmm. So Jaime, I've heard, I've heard from
0: you, I think, you, 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 threw, you threw this out to me that you're actually thinking when, you're, when your uh, new uh, semester starts, that uh, our podcast is going to be a requirement for some of those stu- those poor
2: students of yours. Oh, without a doubt, you did it. Uh, I, I I'm off the top of my head, there were two in particular. Um, the stuff on the Habsburg Empire's influence in the area. Ben and and and, mm-hmm. your, and your two books on the Habsburgs, right? You have two publications, two books.
1: Uh, I have the one Habsburg book, then but then some other books on the history of Central okay. Europe. So they're you know you, the Habsburgs are all over there. So.
2: You do a—I think it was your third podcast. You do a history of the region, just a real big chronology, which I've listened to. actually I've listened to three times. I don't want you to go crazy with the bromance here, but um, you know, you know, this Ben, when you're putting together, assigning something, you got to make sure you 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 know it, because the kids are going to come up with some really strange question, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's a great chronological overview of the region. I actually, don't go crazy. It's probably maybe one of the best resources i've seen for just introducing this region to a bunch of kids in west texas wow and so and then actually your the trip through albania is going to be when you did when you're actually podcasting from albania i think andrew i did Um, yes i I did i did some i think we did live stream and then i turned it
0: into a podcast and uploaded that yeah
2: yeah, I'm. I'm the kid. My students are going to have a whole unit in Albania, um, and I'm teaching the mm. first half of the of the Western civilization, which I've turned it into Europe, and you can appreciate this. Mm. It's a history of Europe. I can't change the title because the bureaucracy, but it really mm-hmm. is, really a history of southeastern Europe to start with, with the first half of the Western Civ. But um, um, Andrew, you're uh, as an introduction to Albania, I'm going to have them listen to that podcast before <laughs> wow. I start lecturing on it. that'll
0: be interesting. I would love it if if whether it's a comment or an email or something let me know what they all think of the of the podcast you know and and we you know because ben and i can track and say hey do we have like three new we've got a spike on listenership like that's right in the same time he he uh he told everyone here's here's what you need to listen to this weekend so i'm just curious to what they what they think of all this
2: you know. Well, I'm going to throw this out there since it's being recorded, so we'll have a record. Maybe we could arrange. It's a class meets on Wednesday, where maybe you could have, we you could talk with my students. <laughs> that would be great.
1: Hey, I'm game. <laughs> Any chance for an audience, man? I'm there. So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yes, yeah, to- so exactly. Well, I mean, because you're going to prep. I mean, you got you've got some great stories to tell them and information because <laughs> you just saw this all all firsthand. But I hope I would, and I have no, I I have I can't think of what's the mind of a 20 year old who's taking, or 22 year old or whatever, taking these classes. I would hope some of them would actually go to this class thinking, maybe I'll hear about some cool places to go travel to. I mean, that's me as a 52 year old, like, you know, revisiting what I probably didn't think about when I was their age, but hopefully someone's there going, man, I gotta go to some of these spots.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, teaching or the the college mind when we're the same age similar age when back in when we were in college the late 80s maybe the 90s um you know the assigning the history paper is just doesn't work anymore so hmm. one of the projects for my class they have a project uh, that dominates the main great main part of their grade for the semester i'm going to have them plan out a trip to europe that's oh, one of oh. the projects you know awesome. they can take write a big research paper but Um, I'm going to have them plan a trip. I mean, everything from like Sarah Murdoch's famous um, video on how to pack, right? Mm -hmm. One, one bag and um, (laughs) different things on shoes and toiletries, but the cost of of a flight, the different apps, every time I go to Europe, this was, this was case too, is I, you know, you talk to people, especially the hostels. I mean, i loved. I stayed in a hostel in Thessaloniki and I met, you know, these 20 year old 20-year-old German, a, a, a 25-year-old uh, person from England, and they were volunteering at the hostel and they were working and talking with be staying at a hostel and talking with younger travelers, anyone under 25. You really learn a lot about how to travel on the cheap and mm. uh, and just and the odds and ends and and really what really is important. Here I am, 53 years old. I've you know I got a really good job got a couple bucks in my pocket, comparatively speaking. And they're like, why would you do that? You could. the first, When I arrived in Thessaloniki, the first thing she told me, she checked me in, she goes, there's a restaurant. Uh, it's just, it's right, well, everything's by the water in Thessaloniki. Um, it's a, one of the main squares, they have a salad and, and you can get a salad and a, and a gyro for, you know, two bucks, for two euros. It's a great place to eat the first time you're in, you're in Thessaloniki. I mean, just right away, right? And so stuff like that, and then I I found some new apps, better than Google Maps or Apple Maps as well. So it's just, uh, that's where there's a pitch for staying in a hostel nowadays.
1: Yeah, totally. But that, just let me say, that sounds like an amazing project for the students to do because, I mean, if nothing else, I hope that like your classes open their eyes to the world and expand the horizons, as cheesy as that phrase is, but I think it's true, right? It's like, oh, you know what, there's this place called Albania that I don't know anything about and turns out it can be awesome and doesn't cost that much to travel there. And like, look, there's this world out there and I got to go see it. That was one of the best things that I got from growing up. I'm still grateful to my parents about, it was like, hey Ben, there's this world out there and, and someday you got to go out there because staying at home in Colorado where you grew up, like that's not going to cut it. So I, I, that is such a great, great gift to be able to pass on to young people.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I definitely would. I will love to hear some updates on how that project goes. And what would be what would be great is you gotta you gotta like look at all the proposals or projects everyone goes in, and then you got to be like, now which one am I gonna take for my next summer's trip? You know, like the winner. The winner not only gets an A or whatever you're handing out these days, but like I'm going on that
2: one. by the way are you still talking about you mentioned earlier in the spring about a ottoman empire tour i i am i'm still
0: i'm still thinking it's not going to be next year because next year i mean anything for next year is like we already have to be doing but yes my my friend lee who's a professor in budapest and ben that's still an option that that, and we kind of have it broken out you know i mean i have a fair fairly good idea of what it could be so yes i would like to do some let's say more niche you know just for the you know more geeky m- you know more you know focused on history and empires and and but not 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 forgetting all the other cool stuff obviously right. um but yes yes th- that's that's something that's still in the works it's just it's such a it been such a w- weird last two years of mm-hmm. like here's what i want to do but actually i better go take some money here on these things because i don't have time to go and research and put all this put this funky tour together that like might only attract like three and a half uh like uh, history nerds so i gotta wait <laughs> a little bit on that
2: oh for sure you know yeah. i was gonna ask you ben, did you ever watch the highlander
1: the the movie the old movie with the, the christopher t- lambert the TV and Sean show? Connor? yeah the tv show i haven't really seen the tv show no there's
2: another popular culture with Vienna. The he oh, spent yeah? he the character spent some time in southeastern Europe. They would never name the country, but I'm like zeroing really? in on, on where they were. So
1: there was another, There's I'll, another one. I'll check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I, more more content to watch. Forget about actually doing anything productive. Thank you. I can add that to my list now.
0: <laughs> I think I think Ben's got the the Queen soundtrack somewhere in his uh, you know
1: cassette. Oh. Oh, that's uh, was Queen also the uh, Highlander?
0: Um, yeah, I think oh, it's, yeah. A, it's a kind of it's a kind of magic. I and who, say.
2: It, it's a kind of magic, and who wants to live forever? Yeah, exactly. oh,
0: of, course. Exactly. of course, of
1: course, of yes. course. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And go and towards. for the, and for those watching who are into movies, like the less said about Highlander two, the worst, probably the worst sequel ever made, the better. Oh. It's just let's pretend that one doesn't exist. We can go straight to the TV show. Both <laughs> so, versions, by the way, both yes. versions
2: of the second one. Because yeah, there's like, one where there's space aliens, and there's one where they're actually immortals. Yes. Yeah. And both. And both. like. And probably
0: the same writers. So was like, well, both of your ideas were shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, the creator of that also did the prophecy, invented the prophecy movie series with. Uh, was oh, Christopher, Christopher. Yeah, Walken. With Christopher Walken.
0: Wow. I think, I think we're gonna. Ha- I think we. I yeah. think at some point, we need to have a. We need to have a. a geek out film stuff uh where where it might be vaguely related to central and eastern europe and mm-hmm. balkan stuff but could just be any anything because there's a lot of good rabbit holes we can go down yeah on. there was
1: there was some next level geekiness going on just there and i'm you know i'm i'm you know could hold my own on the geekiness but you guys were whoa something else so.
0: <laughs> well on but. that note let's like like on that, let's not well let's not end on highlander 2 because that is kind of a bummer Mm. uh so um but um let's let's do check in again that would be would be great i i would if ben's up for it. i would be mm. up for doing anything with your with your with your class even you know i mean could be even if if you gauge that they're interested enough i, I would be fine doing a q a on anything related to this area of europe so you know whatever you yeah. guys want yeah
1: That'd let us awesome. know let us know how we can help wonderful thank
0: you All right. Well, this, this wraps up our first uh, episode in forever. And it was awesome. So thank Mm you, Jaime. Thank you. Thank you for, for following us. Thank you for contact, for sending me questions about this Balkan trip. I'm, I'm so glad it, it happened, even though it maybe happened a little differently than you had originally planned and we'd love to have you back. So thank you. Thank you for making our comeback episode like super. Whatever I can do.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So great to to get to talk about this stuff and and makes me jealous once again you you just got to go some, some super cool places i haven't been to in a while so hopefully it's inspiration for anybody who might be listening hey check these places out they're pretty awesome
2: it's and it's doable i mean mm-hmm. you know do your planning It's and, and be ready for a curveball mm-hmm. but that's part of the experience
1: exactly yes,
2: especially now
0: Well, I'd like to say join us next week for our episode on whatever, but I'm not going to be so like ballsy and daring on that. So uh, hopefully this will be the longest gap uh, between episodes and we'll be back on a semi-regular basis.
1: Thanks, Jaime. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.